Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 28. And I want to start here and I want to take some time and uh, want to just sort of set the stage and then we'll get pretty detailed later in, in, in other services. But uh, I've been thinking a lot about this. Proverbs is an incredible book of the Bible. It was written by, for the most part, there are some that are not attributed to uh, King Solomon. But King Solomon sat down and the way that I understand it, he was writing a, a book, if you will, to his son. It was a way that Solomon wanted to teach his son uh, some things, maybe lessons that Solomon learned. Uh, he, he wanted to kind of give something, maybe it was when his son would graduate, I don't know. But, you know, here's some truth. One of the things that is written there in Proverbs 22, 28, it says, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Remove not the ancient landmarks. And there is incredible truths contained in that very short verse. Um, I believe with everything that's in me, the Bible doesn't change. The Bible tells us, in fact, that the Lord doesn't change. He changeth not. And it doesn't matter if society changes. It doesn't matter even if church changes. It doesn't matter if mentalities change. God's word is true. And there's a Supreme Court brief that I'd found on the internet, and, and it, it got all the way to the Supreme Court, which means that it had to start at some local court, that didn't satisfy, so they had to bump it up a little bit until finally it had worked its way to the Supreme Court. It was a boundary dispute between two neighbors. It appears that they had been friends at one time. In fact, in the 1960s, they had worked together to plant a hedgerow between them, and they both took care of it. But one day, they got mad at each other, those two neighbors, and they tore down the hedgerow. One of them put up a chain link fence and in doing so he put the fence on his neighbor's property and then not only that in the middle of the night it appeared that they moved the boundary markers those little stakes that are at the corner of your lots perhaps they went and moved them so it would appear that the new fence was on the right property line and so obviously when someone when the other guy found out about that he was pretty mad and you know probably called the police it went up and it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and when it got to the Supreme Court, the, the offending neighbor, the one that had put the fence on the other guy's property, the one that had moved the stakes, he claimed two things. He claimed, first off, that his neighbor never said a word when that fence went up in the first place. And not only did he not say a word when the fence was put up in the first place, but he did not complain in the proper amount of time, statute of limitations, if you will, had, had gone. For it appears that when that neighbor had moved that boundary marker, he had done what is called encroachment. He had encroached on another's property. He had built something on his neighbor's property that did not belong there. And according to the legal system, or at least the legal system wherever they were, it had stated that you have uh, uh, 10 years to complain if someone has knowingly encroached upon your property. If you don't complain within that set amount of time, the law where they were set, stated that the damage would have been done and you would have lost the right 
to that property. And, and so it, it went on and, and he, he had not been vigilant when uh, the boundary had been moved. And later he lost that property. And, and that word, those boundaries, it, it gets me thinking. And, and you can't go very long in the Word of God before you realize that there are boundaries that God's Word and the teachings of God puts around a sanctified life. If you don't think boundaries are important, then turn in, uh, 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 the news on or listen to it and start figuring out this North Korea stuff going on. And tell me boundaries doesn't matter. If, if boundaries doesn't matter, then why don't you let your neighbor just park their car in your grass and just, you know, not worry about it. Boundaries matter. I don't have time to go into it uh, in its entirety, but all you have to do is, is look in Joshua chapter 15, Joshua chapter 16, and you would find that when they came into the promised land, God was very uh, specific as to the boundaries of each of those 12 or 13 tribes, because one tribe was divided in two, uh, there were clear boundaries that delineated each tribe's portion from the next. If any of you have ever bought property, you know that it is very important when you buy that property to know where the boundaries are. In fact, most of the time, there is a survey that is done to make sure that if they say this is the property that you're buying that that is exactly the property that you are buying. God has always put boundaries around. I just want to just kind of set the stage for boundaries, and then later on we'll get into some of the details. But I want you to look at Genesis chapter 2, and you're welcome to turn there. I won't read it word for word, but you're, you're welcome to turn there and look at it with me. From the very beginning, God created the earth, and then he took and formed man and woman. And the first thing he did is he put them in a place with boundaries. The Bible says, The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. And of all the places that God could put this prized creation, God chose the Garden of Eden. This is what the Bible says. He planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. He says, out of the ground grew all of the plants that they could eat, and the tree of life was in the middle of the garden, also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river went out of Eden to water the garden, and it parted. It became four rivers. The first one was Pison. The second, uh, and that encompassed the whole land of Havilah. Then there was the second river, uh, Gihon, and I'm probably not pronouncing these correctly. That was compass the entirety of Ethiopia and the, the third river it went east of Assyria the fourth river was the Euphrates and God put man set him in the garden to dress it to keep it and and there it was he put boundaries around the garden even if you didn't have all that here's how I know there were boundaries around the garden because when God kicked man out of the garden he couldn't get back in there were boundaries around it and uh, not only that, but he put boundaries of what could happen in the garden. He said, of the tree, of every tree of the garden, you can freely eat. But do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For if you eat of it in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. God put boundaries around it. Those boundaries were not a bad thing. They shouldn't have been. It, it showed them what they needed. But sin came. In their willful disobedience, sin drove them outside the boundary of the promise. When 
they had sinned and their shame took over. They hear the voice of the Lord walking in the cool of the day and, and Adam is, is, is scared to answer and of course God finds them. And then you have all of those things that God says is going to happen to the serpent, to the woman, to the man. But in that he kicks them out of the garden and he puts them east of that garden. And he puts cherubims that hold flaming swords that won't let them back in. God has always put boundaries around his promises. In the book of Genesis chapter 12, you get to see Abraham. There's an interesting thing that happens with Abraham that mirrors our relationship with God and our salvation. First is that God called Abraham out of a land and God called Abraham into a land. Both of those tell me that there was boundaries. You cannot come out of something unless you cross the boundary. You cannot get into something unless you cross the boundary. And so it was that when God said to Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house and go into a land in which I will show you. Later on, and Abraham's journey with God, that promise goes, everywhere your foot has touched, that's the land I'm going to give you. Those are boundaries. If you didn't walk over there, that's not your land. These are the boundaries. Noah's Ark had boundaries, very clear boundaries. You couldn't go through that wooden wall. In fact, it only had one door. There were boundaries. Mount Sinai, which I have preached on, and, and, and the more that I study that, the more I'm amazed at what... God did, you find it in Exodus chapter 19, this, this thing of Mount Sinai. God said in the third month when the children of Israel were gone from the land of Egypt, they came to the wilderness of Sinai. And there Moses went up unto God and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain. He said, I want you to tell this to the children of Israel. I want you to remind them that I... Uh, have seen that that though they have seen what I've did to the Egyptians and how I bear you out on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. And if they will obey my voice indeed and keep my commandments, then they'll be a peculiar treasure to me above all people. They'll be unto me a kingdom of priests. And while it doesn't necessarily matter to this sermon, I kind of like that. A kingdom of priests. God never intended for there only to be just one priest with access to God. I'm firmly convinced that if Israel would have done what was right, they would never have had a, a veil that would have separated them from the presence of God. It was their, their stubbornness, it was their sin, it was their desire not to get close to God that caused the, the, the temple or, and, and the tabernacle plan to be a little different here. But, but later on, the Bible says that I, I want you to get them ready. I want you to take three days. This says take three days and cleanse yourself, clean your clothes, get ready to meet the Lord. And on that third day, the Lord is going to come down inside of all the people upon Mount Sinai. But during those three days, I want you to set bounds around the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up into the mount, nor touch the border thereof. For whosoever toucheth the mount shall surely be put to death. And the reason was there is they were not ready to come into the presence of God. I've heard it said, you probably have heard it said too. It took one night to get the children of Israel out of Egypt. 
but now that we know the end of the story, it took 40 years to get Egypt out of those Israelites. But there were boundaries. God said, I don't want you just running up into my presence, and, and I don't want you to come with, with your, your filthy righteousness. I want to make sure you're ready. There's boundaries that come. Those boundaries are interesting. And uh, there, there's three reasons why we have boundaries. And it's whether it's a physical boundary or whether it's a spiritual boundary. The first thing that a boundary does is a boundary defines. Do you know why they call Missouri the boot heel state? It's because of the boundaries. There's a little boot heel. Uh, the... Another way to look at this is water doesn't like to be contained. If I had you to pull, hold out your hand and I poured water in there, the water would go everywhere. But if you take a vessel, a glass, and you pour the water in there, then that boundary, the water is defined by the boundary. Does that make sense? And it's good to have water that is defined by a boundary. It means you know where it is. You know uh, how to get it. There's a definition. And boundaries in a Christian's life define us. They, they tell others who we are and what we are. They define us. The second thing that a boundary does is a boundary contains. And it's I know we, we the definition is there as well, but... I think it's important to realize there are two distinct differences between just being defined and being contained. Uh, how many of you have a real good thermos? Those Yetis or Arctic cups. Hopefully you bought one of the Lighthouse ones or maybe you got one of the Ozark trails. Uh, I'm glad my water stays in there. Because even though it's defined, I don't want my water to, uh, to, to get dirty. I'm glad that my water is in a container. Most of us are not going to go just drink out of any old you know, puddle we see out there. And so we usually carry something that contains that which is inside. But the third thing that it does is those boundaries, not only do they define, not only do they contain, but those boundaries protect from the outside. Because I don't want what's on the outside to taint the water on the inside. I want good, cool water. I don't want, uh, you know, something that, that's been dusty or dirty. Uh, funny note, I have a friend of mine. He's a, a construction worker in Toledo, Ohio. And he uh, works, you know, obviously outside. And he has one of those big, I don't know, gallon or two-gallon thermoses that he carries water in. And it's been really hot where he's at. And he started putting lemonade in it. Because he liked lemonade. And he got to noticing that, and he, he put this on Facebook today, he got to noticing that every time he, uh, you know, around lunchtime, he would pick up his pail and it would be empty. And he knew he had a small leak, but he could not for the life of him figure out why his kept emptying. And finally, uh, yesterday he put orange Kool-Aid in it. And then he got to noticing that all the guys he works with, they, you know, they wear white t-shirts, they started having orange splatters everywhere. And he kind of realized they figured out he didn't have just water. He had lemonade, and they kind of liked what he had. Well, you know, I, I want to make sure that I've got boundaries around what is contained in there. 
Those boundaries, some people have asked, where do those boundaries start? How, how do you get those boundaries? In a Christian's life, what determines those boundaries? Well, I will tell you that there are two ways that a Christian has boundaries in their life. The first one are absolute boundaries. For example, thou shalt not lie. You cannot get any more plain a boundary than that. Thou shalt not lie. In fact, it goes on to play that out. All liars shall have their place in the lake of fire. Nowhere, I don't care how you exegete that verse. I don't care if you know it in Hebrew, Greek. It, it doesn't say anything different. There's no such thing as a white lie. There's no such thing as a gray lie. It's an absolute boundary that if you cross that boundary, you're in danger of hellfire. And God puts absolute boundaries in our life to protect us, to contain what's on the inside, and to define us. There's a lot of those absolute boundaries in the Bible. But there's another boundary that's contained in the Bible. It may not be quite so black and white. It might not be quite laid out so absolutely. But there are boundaries that are principle-based boundaries. These are boundaries such as set no unclean, set no unclean thing before your eyes. That's a principle. It, 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 it is a, now it's an absolute principle in the sense that it says don't set anything unclean before your eyes. But it doesn't set the boundaries. It didn't tell you what things you're looking at. Said no so in, in Moses' time, there were probably unclean things that Moses would have to preach about and say you ought not do that. If, if you were, pre we preached uh, um Last Wednesday, talked about David, and, and there were some unclean things that David looked at. I don't know that any of us have any problems with, you know, the, the baths being on top of the houses now. We, we don't have that issue anymore. The, the architecture has changed, but the principle has not. They may not have had uh, the internet in the Bible. They may not have had a, a lot of, of printed material in the Bible, but the principle that boundary is principle-based, and it means no matter what kind of technology comes along, no matter what kind of things happen, the principle is the boundary. And so those boundaries are there. The problem is, what happens when those boundaries get moved? And there are two ways that those boundaries get moved. The first one is willful disobedience this is the one that says I know where the boundary is and I don't care I know the Bible says thou shalt not lie but I want to lie and so they literally step over the boundary or they pick up the boundary and they move it and it's willful disobedience and, and, and then the boundary has been moved I, I don't have the article in front of me and I was trying to find it and I couldn't find it fast enough but I remember reading an article in, I believe it was Time Magazine, it may have been Newsweek, but it was, a, it was a, an article where uh, one, one of the very few times that, that uh, former President Obama had given an interview con concerning religion. 
and in that, I, I remember very carefully, he, he, he was very clear that there were boundaries that didn't matter anymore. And you could just, it, 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 was, it was archaic, and you could pick them up. It's willful disobedience. But the second way that boundaries can be moved is by negligence. Sometimes we just kind of get complacent, and we're not paying attention. And things begin to happen. And uh, I'm going to pick on my mom and dad, and it's okay, because they, they really do have permission to do this, but I laugh every time I go to their house. Uh, when they bought that property, there was a huge fence row of, of just gnarly old bushes back there. And they've gotten permission to do this, but I, I laugh because when I was a kid, this was the edge of the, of the property, and right here was, was a fence row. But they keep going and they keep cutting that fence row. And what happens is the fence row just kind of keeps backing up because nobody's cutting the other side of the fence row. And now there's five extra feet that I can walk in that property. Now the farmer knows that. He's okay with that. But if the farmer wasn't okay with that, it was his negligence by not taking a, a, a travel around his property and go, you know what, what's happening here? Why is it being moved? Negligence or willful disobedience. The boundaries matter in our life. Boundaries matter. We cannot, and, and there later on in, in other messages as they come, um, and, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to there when, when God lets me preach it. And maybe next Wednesday is kind of the plan, but we'll see. Tomorrow is a... Uh, not that it matters to the little baby, but tomorrow is the due date for the little baby Buford, so we'll see what happens. Um, but uh, those, you cannot look at boundaries in our life and in, in, through, through the eyes of our spiritual walk. You cannot say, well, they moved the boundary a hundred years ago, so it's okay. You cannot do that. Just because the boundary was moved not by you, it doesn't make it right. You cannot judge yourself by the measure of the world around you. Because I will tell you, the world is a lot farther away from God now than they have ever been. Because little by little by little, they have uprooted some, some landmarks and the things that that Solomon told his son, remove not the ancient landmarks that your fathers have set. It is absolutely apt today. Solomon could get behind this pulpit and preach to this nation and this world and say, look how far you've moved. You cannot judge your spirituality by the world around you. I don't know how many times I've said this and used this to different ones, but if, if you could imagine a, a graph that, that was linear, and the higher on the graph you get, you know, there, there's a level where you're next to God. You know, this is you and God. You know, he's way up here. You know, it, it's amazing. When I, when I look at some of the pictures and I read some things, I know sin is sin, and it's existed all the way back since the garden. But it's interesting. You didn't see a huge difference in the way the world dressed or the way the church dressed, if you go back far enough. All right? You, you with me? But, but now, 
now all of a sudden, as you keep going through the timeline, the world's dress and the world's actions and the world's behaviors have fallen. And if we're not careful, if we measure ourselves by the world's standard, we'll kind of fall a little bit. We'll say, well, as long as I'm a little better than the world, I'm okay. No. Because the world's standard, the world's boundaries were falling. And pretty soon you look and you see how far away we are from God. It's because somebody, somewhere, somehow moved the boundary. So it requires you and I to get back and find the landmarks. What are the landmarks? You know, it is, we talk about the nature of of sin that, that exists in everybody here. The nature of the flesh that, that is present with us. And just like you don't have to teach a child to lie. You don't have to teach a child to get mad. It, it's just in them. They're going to do it. You can think you have the perfect child, but you, you don't ever have to teach it to do wrong. It just knows how to do wrong. But have you noticed that even as a child, they don't like boundaries? Now, when they're little bitty and they can't move, it's easy to keep them contained. But they reach that age where they can flip over, and then they reach that age where they can crawl, and then they reach that age where they can walk. And guess what? They don't like boundaries. They don't like the playpen. They don't like the little rug that you put them on, and they got the little mobile above them. They don't like the you to hold them. They want to explore. The same is true in us. Judas was a disciple just like the other 11. I, I, I wish I could sit down and talk to Judas. When you read the, the New Testament, especially the Gospels, you find that, that Jesus gave to each of the disciples the power to heal the sick and to cast out demons. While I may not see it in the Bible, I may not have anything where I could tell you that Judas prayed, I have to think that somewhere in Judas's life, he could have and would have operated in that authority just the same as Peter would have operated in that authority. When God sent them out two by two, Judas would have went out. Judas would have seen what all of those others have seen. What caused Judas to fall so far away? There's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of sermons that have been preached, and I've done it too. But I would propose to you that, that the most telling sign of, of Judas and what caused him to, to, to fall away was when Jesus put a boundary around him, how he reacted when Jesus said this is the boundary. When that woman with the alabaster box broke the box and poured it on Jesus' feet and Judas wanted the money more than the worship and, and he made a big deal and a big stink and he said, I can't believe she's wasting all of that. Think of... Think of she could have sold it and given the money to us. Think of all the poor people we could have fed. And and Jesus rebuked uh, Judas. Because Judas had stepped over a boundary, if you will. And when Jesus tried to put Judas back, say, Judas, you're you're, you're getting too far out. Let let me help you out. There There is a definite 
definition, if I can. Let's get the gospel back defined. The gospel is not how many soup kitchens you can start. Those are good, Judas. But that is not the definition of the gospel. The gospel is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what this woman is doing, she is doing unto my death. She is worshiping, if you will, she is worshiping the fact that there is coming a moment that is going to free mankind from their sin. Judas, you don't understand that I'm trying to give you some boundaries. I'm trying to give you some definition. And Judas got mad at it. And when he got mad, the Bible says Satan entered into his heart and bitterness set in. Because Judas could not handle the boundaries, anger and loathing ruled his heart. The plan of Satan rests in its rebellion against the boundaries of God. you You can look at this, you can search all you want to and you will find that the root of sin lies in its desire to go against the limits that God sets. The reason Satan fell was because he did not like the limits of being an angel and an attendant unto God. And he wanted to be God. And so he stepped out of those boundaries. He stepped out of those limits. He stepped out of that definition. He stepped out of the containment. He stepped out of the protection. And because of his rebellion, he fell to the earth. Satan did not like God's two negative commandments, two no commandments. And so he pushed and pulled and connived and got Adam and Eve to rebel. What were they rebelling against? A boundary. Don't eat of this tree. Judas allowed Satan access into his heart because he rebelled against the boundaries of God. He rebelled when when the rebuke of Jesus came. And because of that, Judas was lost. And so it is, boundaries are important in our life. Boundaries are crucial in how we walk with God. The world doesn't like boundaries. I don't like boundaries. You don't like boundaries. But they're crucial. Harry Emerson Fosdick, and I'm going to invite you to stand. I've got a lot that I want to say, but I don't want to start into something I can't finish. And so we're going we're gonna to stop it here uh, tonight. And then, Lord willing, next Wednesday, I want to get more into that. And I want to talk about those boundaries in our life. There's other places that that we'll get to boundaries, but uh, next week, Lord willing, I want to get into the boundaries and ourselves. But Harry Emerson Fosdick told of a little church there on the coast of England that was ruined by a hurricane. That congregation, when the church had fallen apart, when the hurricane hit it, they were not wealthy enough to rebuild it. They were in, uh, you know, disrepair and They didn't know what to do, and so they could not use that church anymore. One day, a representative of the British Navy had come to the preacher, the pastor of that little church. And he asked the pastor, he said, Pastor, do you ever intend to rebuild that church? The preacher said, we don't have 
any money. There's, there, we just, we can't. We would love to, but there's just no way we can do it. And the, the representative of the British Navy said, well, here's what we're going to do. If you can't rebuild the church, we will. Because you see, that church and that spire, that steeple, it's the landmark by which all the other ships that we have set their course. If you were to look at the, the, the maps we have of the coast of this area, we have used your church as the landmark. And if the church falls, we have nothing to go on. We need your church to help guide our way. I would like to tell you today that in a dark world full of sin and full of, of, of just people that, that, that walk anywhere and do whatever they want to do, it, it echoes what is found in the book of Judges that every man did what was right in their own eyes. No boundaries. Nothing matters. The boundary, you know, it used to be that you didn't have, you know, yeah, you had a, you had God's law, but you had just a moral law. Used to, even if you didn't go to church, there was at least a level of morality that most, you know, attained or at least tried to attain. But now even the moral law doesn't matter anymore. There's just nothing, there's no boundaries, there's nothing that, that delineates anything. It's just do whatever you want to do. Every man doing what's right in his own eyes. I believe, like that British Navy representative said, this world needs a church that has boundaries. This world needs a church that has clear delineating lines that says, thus saith the word of God. Thus saith the word. This is my life. Lord, put the boundaries there because I want to be a light unto this world and I want to show the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, define me. Contain me and protect me. I wonder if we could just raise our eyes, raise our hands, and close our eyes, if you will, for just a moment. We don't need musicians. We don't need any of that right now. I wonder if you could just take some time to examine your life and and ask this question: Are you a Judas that rebels at boundaries? Are you a Judas that gets mad when God says, "I, I need to define you"? Or or instead, are you someone that says, Lord, here I am. God, I'm, I'm weak. The flesh that I have is never going to be able to sustain any type of holiness. Lord, the only way I can live is show me, put those boundaries around my life. Let your word speak to me. Let your word be a light to my path. Let it shine the, the direction you want me to go, oh God. Lord, I'm asking that you would lead me in paths of righteousness. Lead me. Let your spirit lead me where I go, God. Give me definition. Give me containment. Give me protection, I pray. Lord, boundaries mean so much to us. And God, I give you glory and I give you honor. In Jesus' matchless name, would you lift your hands to heaven and would you ask the Lord one more time, would you say, God, would you let your boundaries, would you let your, your limits, let them be very clear to me, I pray. Let me not remove the ancient landmarks that are around us, oh God. Lord, I need you. I need you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.